What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode... Welcome to this podcast. This is season four, episode 13. It says it right on the piece of paper in front of me. I even wrote it that way so I wouldn't mess it up this week. But there you go. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Gula in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello, party people. And we're also joined by Jaime Lopez. Man, wow. <laughs> we're also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? He's still talking to me. That's good. All right. Um, <laughs> from the frosty north. <laughs> from the frosty. Yeah. Speaking of the frosty. So last week, let's do some fact check. Last week, Jonathan said that uh, Jaime could have everything south of the 49th parallel. And I just wanted to point out that Seattle is actually north of Toronto and therefore north of the 49th parallel as well. So uh, technically Toronto, well, no, I guess they're, south, sorry, they're south of the 49th parallel. That's the line that goes from across from like Winnipeg to Vancouver-ish, yeah. right? And divides Canada and the United States in, on just in a straight line. But uh, Toronto, we dipped down because we, we, we wanted, I guess we wanted to hang on to the lakes or whatever, War of 1812, look it up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so Toronto is actually, so if you look at the long, latitude, latitude, longitude, latitude, which one's, which one's the, the longitude know, is uh, east-west. East, oh, latitude. Okay, the latitude, latitude then, right? Is what I want. Uh, of Seattle is 47 degrees and Toronto is 43 degrees so we're actually lower than 49th parallel would be at the 49th degree if you did a like arc around the world if you believe in the, you know the round world and the whole flat earth society thing whatever then you're you're, you're on your own <laughs> um, and the other piece of follow-up I have here that Gail or G-A-A-L Gail Dornick apparently it was a character in the first part of the foundation book and was a psycho historian working with Harry Seldon in in um, Trantor and played by Lou Lubell um, but she was only in, in the first uh, in, like she was very in a very short part of the, the first book but uh, uh, she's obviously uh, survives to the first and second episode I believe right so because there was a big question like what happened to her in the story because uh, I saw a, a blog post about that and, like what happened to her she just sort of stopped, stopped showing up because the third episode of Foundation which we saw last week um, they're spoiler, now spoiler, 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 spoiler. well established I'm not going too far 
are. They're well established <laughs> on on um, where are they going again? Oh, the terminus, uh, terminus, yes, terminus yeah, the ice terminus, planet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's some sort of weirdness going on. It's actually filmed in Iceland. It looks really cool. Look at that. Anywho, all right, let's move on to the headlines. And, you know, Jonathan's up first, as usual, with the House of Dragons. Yeah, we got a uh, a more robust look at House of Dragons. We had a teaser trailer drop this week. We had seen some stills so far that had sort of seen some of the characters. This was our first sort of actual look at, you know, things moving around. It wasn't a lot of taste. It really just sort of gave you a sense of the sets and the characters, a little bit of sense of foreboding. Uh, they set the scene, obviously, it's 200 years before the the events of Game of Thrones. This is, of course, the uh, the prequel to uh, to the HBO classic series. Uh, I thought it was an interesting trailer. We get to see Matt Smith with his uh, his blonde uh, long locks, which is an unusual look. You're so used to seeing him with his uh, his dark hair, so that's that's interesting. And uh, and yeah, just a little taste of that world. Although it really doesn't sort of spell out the stakes or what's going on there. We just obviously know that uh, this is about the Targaryens, the the dynasty that uh, relied on dragons to rule the uh, the Seven Kingdoms. Hope it ends better than the last one. So I think there's a little trepidation on on behalf of fans. It's and also I think it's funny how quickly we forget. I mean, Game of Thrones was the biggest collective uh, sort of television live experience in a long time. I'm curious to see if if this series can rekindle that. Did you guys watch? No, I haven't seen this one yet. No. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. Tar- Targaryens, see... right? Sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's uh, did they say it was like a few hundred years prior to to Game of Thrones? Right. Yeah, two hundred years is what it says in the trailer. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, that Game of Thrones kind of uh, style, the cinematography. We get a look at a a little bit of a different Iron Throne, and um, this will be the first time in live action, I think, that we'll see the Targaryens uh, flying their flag and etc right like it's always mentioned in game of thrones but they're a, they're a fallen um house and you know they their sigil is shown but it's not like you get to see people you know wearing the armor flying the flag and stuff so it's going to be something a little different i think um so there's there's that angle to go into it yeah i mean i, I guess there's lots of ground to cover there i'm always a little trepidatious about prequels given some past experiences um i think I think they'll do a good job. Obviously, you know, they've they've really been mindful. They did try, sort of try a few different angles on what they would do for a next Game of Thrones experience. And the fact that they chose this one he says that they must have seen the potential. I I don't know. I always have a, a, a real struggle with prequels because, well, in one case, we kind of know how this ends. We know that by 200 years later, the Targaryen dynasty has fallen. Uh, we know that, you know, the dragons have gone by the wayside. So like so many prequels, it sort of gives you a sense of what kind of beats you might hit. The flip side of that is it was such an amazingly imaginatively depicted world on the television program that there's hope that even if it's a little predictable, it'll be really interesting to watch. The drama is usually really good. The acting quality is very high. So even if it's a little bit prescriptive, maybe maybe the quality will just be high enough to sort of push you past that. All right. Next up, uh, we have some news from Variety.com that 
Disney Plus is going to do a spinoff from WandaVision focusing on the character of Agatha Harkness, uh, played by Catherine Hahn. Mm. Interesting mm. news from mm. today. Uh, apparently, One Division head writer Jack Schaefer is going to be the uh, writer and executive producer. And uh, yeah, of course, Catherine Hahn will be back in the titular role. Uh, if they don't call it Agatha all along, I think that's a missed opportunity. But I I wonder about this kind of stuff. So obviously, you know, they go into these shows with the best of intentions. They start with characters that are established that you know, you know, Wanda and Vision, uh, you know, Bucky and uh, and and the Falcon. I am interested to see if this is the sort of start of the next trend. You know, if there's breakout characters from some of these shows, are we going to see, you know, a, a Captain Carter? series are we going to see you know series like this one and, and now that they've done this i think it's really interesting to see if if we start to see spin-offs of spin-offs of spin-offs yeah um i mean people d- definitely uh, love what the actress did uh, people found the character i think pretty uh, interesting for um at least most of the of the run i think there were some quibbles on the uh like typical marvel ending that it sort of has yeah. at one point but um i kind of wonder where they're going to go with this. i mean it's you know uh let's not forget that loki wasn't exactly a hero uh, in general, but the specific version of Loki we got is the hasn't learned how to not be a bad person uh, character. So it is conceivable that they could take a, a villain and make something around it. And there is sort of the um, you know if you take the uh, the Broadway play Wicked, which is the Wizard of Oz but told from uh, the Wicked Witch of the West's perspective, they could go that route with it and do something a little unorthodox. By the way, t- tangent here. Did you get? Did you guys see? the post about um, Sarah Silverman taking um, exception with Catherine Hahn playing Joan Rivers in an upcoming biopic? No. No, no? I can so, fill in the deets. Yeah, apparently, uh, I haven't got all the details. I, I saw it today earlier. I read I read a bit of the, it. was just a very short article, but um, uh, Sarah Silverman's, you know, kind of points out that we've had, they've had characters, like Joan Rivers was clearly Jewish, and, and um, Sarah Silverman's obviously very, very pro that way. Um, and Catherine Hahn isn't, right? And she's like, uh, her question is about um, why, like, she questions why um, these actresses, like Catherine Hahn, obviously on the success of WandaVision and her Emmy, was booked to play Joan Rivers in this in this story. And I'm sure she'll do a great job, but Sarah Silverman's point is that, you know, they keep putting non-Jewish actresses to portray Jewish women, and they do the whole sort of, you know, the Bronx sort of twang, that the, or the, the, the New York sort of style twang to the voices uh a case in point is marvelous miss mazel uh, the actress there is not jewish either right so anyway so, you know sarah silverman has an interesting point there it's kind of a different kind of whitewashing you know if you think about it thoughts i think this comes back to the same stuff that we've talked about before which is you know where do you draw the line on all these things you know can can somebody who's not blind, blind play somebody who's blind can somebody who's right. not hearing impaired play somebody who's not hearing impaired uh, somebody with a learning disability, like where where do you draw the line? Obviously, yes, I think there's a, an authenticity level and there certainly are, are high enough caliber performers that you can draw from a pool. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely it's tricky territory. You know, you could say, well, you know, so by Sarah Silverman's argument, 
does that mean that only a Jewish woman should be able to play a Jewish woman in a... No, it's not, it's not black and white. The point is that they keep casting these women in roles, like these non-Jewish women in roles playing very Jewish people, right? Like people who are known for... for as she calls it Jew face in, in the story, right? Mm, so, mm. Um, you know, like that, you know, Sarah Silverman doesn't, doesn't mince words, right? But, no, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and we've had this before. We had uh, Scarlett Johansson playing the, uh, an, an Oriental character and, you know, that just seemed odd. I think that movie kind of kind of died a horrible death too, right? Um, I can't remember the name of it, but... Ghost in the Shell. Know, the, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, and there's, there's been other cases like that where where you get people, you know, it's it's not... We're, we're not talking about brown face or black face here, but we're kind of talking about that in a manner of speaking, right? You know? Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I, I struggle with that one for sure on where the lines are anymore obviously there are plenty of people who can play the parts that are appropriate that have you know a background i mean i think we've come a a long way from you know the 1940s and 50s movies where we had you know white actors playing incredibly bad asian stereotypes and things like that right, uh, we've right. come you know even further from you know uh, amos and andy and and things like that i guess I I appreciate Sarah's point that there's a an opportunity that can be given to Jewish actresses to play those roles. I just struggle with where that line is anymore. If if there's an obligation or if that should be a consideration, that's a that's a really tricky one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd be curious from your perspective. Um, well, both of you, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm the uh, the token white guy on this on this uh, panel, so I'm curious as to whether or not you know. Uh, you feel like there's an, a need or a, like, would you be offended if someone who was not Latino was playing Latino? If someone who was, you know, uh, you know, where's, again, where's the line? Is somebody pretending to be from Texas? Is that okay? Can they, can they affect a Boston accent? Can they affect a Texas accent? Like, well, where... we just gave, we just gave an Emmy to, to um, uh, Kate Winslet, right? Yeah. For doing for a, playing... for doing a, a Pennsylvania accent. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's, it, you know, that's a good question. And it's so hard to to like give my thoughts on it without making it feel like it's minority versus minority. But I think there's definitely been a lot less representation for some minorities over mm -hmm. others. And I, I don't know. And I understand. I fully understand Sarah Silverman's point. And I'm not, you know, saying that there shouldn't be maybe more representation of uh, Jewish actors playing Jewish characters. I also, from my perspective, I'm like, yeah, that's not really like a huge problem. There definitely has been representation of Jewish um, actors and characters. It's not as if it's like, oh, uh, you're Hispanic. Great. You play the janitor or the maid, right? Like they're, mm. they're not necessarily pigeonholed into those roles. So that's not to say that there isn't a struggle that I think maybe Sarah Silverman's getting at. I, I can't understand because I'm not in that, that category. It's just hard from this perspective, right? And again, not trying to turn it into minority minority war kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, to be honest with you, like I, I never had a problem with the guy in, in Johnny Five, right? The, the short circuit uh, until you pointed out to me that he wasn't actually, you know, an Indian dude, right? Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, that, that there's that, right? Uh, and, but that's, that's like you said, that's sort of something we've, we've hopefully come out of. But, you know, we, I mean, one of my favorite movies is, is Breakfast, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? You know, because of the person I live with. But, you know, and I love Mickey Rooney, but he plays a very incorrect or a very, you know, questionable 
whole character in that movie, right? Yeah, hundred percent. He plays the neighbor, right? And yeah. and just it's it's an awful portrayal. I mean, he's a great a great portrayal, a very funny, comedic, you know, cartoonish character, but it does nothing to to support that uh, those those persons, right? No. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up because it was interesting. Cause since you were talking about Catherine Hahn anyway, and and she sort of got you know roped into this discussion, and and again, like Sarah Silverman has nothing wrong with the actual casting yeah. of or the choice of casting. Just she questions how the casting is done. Yeah. Right. So well, anyway. interesting to see if it has ramifications, though, that kind of raising that that uh, that thought line. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that was a Huffington Post story, by the way, uh, for those of you driving at home or transporting at home. What's next? And the other thing I've got here is about a bit of casting news we got today. So Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be starring in a superhero film called Profit. And Profit is based on a 1990s comic book property uh, created by uh, by Rob Liefeld's company. And uh, it's, I don't know if, I, I assume, Tim, you haven't, I don't know, Jaime, if you've read Profit. Profit was sort of a little bit derivative of Captain America. It was centering around this guy who basically gets these superhuman powers back during the war and then he sort of is, has these long stretches of life and he's this sort of super soldier type character. The The sort of claim to fame of that comic was that there was a sort of a rising star artist um, named Stephen Platt who was drawing that. He did a short run on Moon Knight for Marvel that got a lot of attention and then he jumped over to work with Liefeld on, on that book and there was just a lot of interest in his art style very interesting very dynamic uh you know huge swollen muscles very very 1990s and um it's uh, to me it's very interesting that this is moving forward as a a film project just because it is so far past its initial uh wave of interest I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's good. I think this has the potential to be something good. I wonder if it will be able to rise above the crowd in a very crowded field of of superhero flicks, and whether or not right, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna resonate in any way. And and I don't know how they capture the sort of quality that the art style and that that era of comic storytelling had. I think if they can find a way to capture that, it could be very interesting. Just because it was that sort of you know, huge guns, huge muscles, kind of, you know, swollen era of, of comic books in the 1990s. I wonder if there's going to be sort of uh, an ability to capture that feel within the book, uh, within the movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one. Uh, I mean, did you ever read Profit? I didn't, but I just Google searched to see some images and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I kind of remember seeing this character on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not familiar with the, the character. I am kind of wondering because this is Rob uh, Liefeld. Liefeld, um, will they not show the character's feet on screen? <laughs> look at Google Image Search and tell me what this person's Oof. feet look like. Man, Oof. yeah, that's Rob. like a weird thing where Rob Liefeld didn't know or did not like. I'm not sure which. He hated uh, drawing them. He hated. Drawing he hated drawing feet, feet. and yeah. so oh, really? he usually has the feet like behind something in a yeah. scene. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah, wow. it, it became a huge running gag that you know, no matter what was happening in a scene, you were rarely going to see a character's feet. 
Wow. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Again, it was, it was an interesting book and it did have a bit of a revival in the two thousands. They, the image did a really interesting thing at one point where they basically picked up a bunch of their series that had ended in the nineties and just sort of started from the next issue. But like 10 years later, like where would they have left off and put some interesting creative teams on them? Profit was one of those. And, uh, and I, I read those at the time. It wasn't bad, but I, I really do wonder whether or not this is, this is going to have any legs. It does raise a question. Cause I mean, like, you you know, like I had no idea who Judge Dredd was, right? Hmm. Um, you know, until Sylvester Stallone did a movie, right? And, you know, uh, of course you knew who he was and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, they did the Dredd movie again. And I think that might have had a little bit of chance to sort of survive in the theaters because um, because Stallone had done the original movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of wonder, like, these, like the, the other one is uh, Spawn, right? That's another character that, you know, and, and the new one, the Spider Guy one... Uh, um, that's out right now with um, uh, what's his name, the guy from that movie, uh, Tom Hardy. Um, Venom, yes. Venom, thank you. Yeah, like I had no idea who Venom was. I mean, like I've been, you know, a Sp- Spider-Man fan since I was a kid. You know, people know Spider-Man, they know Batman, they know, you know, they know Bruce Wayne, they know Superman, they know those characters, right? Uh, these outlier guys, like even Aquaman could be argued. Most people don't even know who Aquaman is, right? I would think, right? Well, it's funny because um, there is a generation gap there that that you, I think you really hit on there, which is to say probably people your age or maybe even my age and older would know who Aquaman is because of yeah. its, his sort of presence in the zeitgeist. Whereas Saturday I think, morning cartoons, that's the only way I knew. Sure, before, right? but then I think the flip is opposite for maybe people Jaime's age where Aquaman doesn't resonate quite as much as Venom does. Venom's been around for 25 or 30 years yeah. and has been a major yeah. Spider-Man But that's villain. if you're a comic book reader, right? Like, it, Yeah, I mean, it, it, he had a turn in Spider-Man 3 in the movie theater too. And the cartoon series and the video games, like the, the thing is, it's not one-dimensional anymore, right? Like it's, it's sort of out there mm-hmm. well like this character you're talking about in profit i mean like or, or even preacher i mean i had no idea who preacher was until amc did a show on it right mm-hmm. so you know so and and the success of these shows i mean do they do they i mean how much of a chance do they have i mean obviously you know uh even daredevil you know when when affleck did it was kind of an outlier character you know and but you know but then the the netflix show put it back on the map right and arrow is same thing right like you know i used to always get mixed up between dc and marvel with the green arrow and the green lantern and the you know the they each had a, 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 a guy or a girl who did the same sort of thing on the other universe and but there wasn't the same character and well and the flash and the quicksilver like guys yeah. who can run fast like that's the problem is yeah. a lot of comic books at times can be a bit derivative as we just talked about that with pre, uh profit right profit's a little derivative of captain america obviously there are exactly. a lot of overlaps yeah. daredevil has some uh pays some dues to batman you know like there's a lot of overlaps right Right, right, yeah. I mean, so, you know, like, like, even the Green Hornet, I mean, people, I mean, I knew who the Green Hornet was because they had a TV show, right? But, I mean, at the time, I wonder how many people really knew, had even heard of Green Hornet. It was just, it was a spinoff from Batman, the, the 66 Batman series, right? Um, well, actually, but, I think that was an overlap. I think they were running concurrently. Yeah, no, I mean, they were on the same time. In fact, they even had crossover, they would, had, had a crossover. They did episode, have a crossover, yeah. yeah. so, but I mean, you know, but they were the same company, same, you mm-hmm. know, whatever was behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it, it was a successful formula, a guy with 
a partner in a car, and let's put another guy with a partner in a car. And in this case, it was Cato, and he made Robin look like a child, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Lee did, right? Anyway, just I'm just my point is that, like, you know, um, as an as a regular viewer of movies, even sci-fi movies myself, since I don't follow anime or comic books or graphic novels, you know, I don't know who all these people are. So that's it's a good question. Like, would would I even consider looking? Would I watch Profit or would I wait till it came on Netflix? And depending on the the trailer, I might watch it. You know, if I if I hadn't heard about it from you right now, I it would have never been on my radar, right? But then so. we talked about that in in a previous episode. There is starting to become just this brand loyalty too, where. You know, I think I could convince you to see anything that Marvel puts out because Marvel right. is now a yeah. brand that you recognize yep. produces quality entertainment. Exactly. Right. Yep. So it, it almost flips that way, and that's where I that's where I think about things like profit. How do you break through that cacophony where you know there's this sort of you know the Titanic versus a tugboat? How do you how do you rise above? Where do you how do you break through when you're going up against this this monolithic thing? So it's funny though, like that you bring up Marvel too, because I mean you're right. Now now they're the Levi's. Of movies, but I mean, the thing is that you guys know what Levi's are, right? But the the thing <laughs> Maker is, of that, the Canadian tuxedo, of course. Yeah, no, that yeah, that, I thought that was Wrangler actually, but um, or Lee, but uh, like 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 as a kid, I mean, I had you know, you remember I told you the story. I had these these gray figures that I got from, and you know, you and I are both kicking ourselves because we don't have them anymore. But <laughs> I had Thor, I had uh, Spider Man, I had um, Iron Man, and Hulk, right? Mm. And there was there was five of them is one more I can't remember who it was but I was never a fan of Iron Man I never I never really got Iron Man I never understood Iron Man you know, yeah he's a metal suit guy woohoo mm-hmm. I never really got it as a kid right and then so when the Iron Man movie came out I was like oh Iron Man okay whatever um, and you know I like Robert Downey Jr. obviously right and Pepper Potts obviously but but it, it just it to me I would not have if you know if you hadn't said hey let's go see this movie I probably wouldn't have just chosen to go see Iron Man I mean I know that's a shocker but you know and and i think by the time spider-man movies came out i was probably a little tired of spider-man too like because because i had you know grew up with the, the the cartoon on channel nine and all that kind of stuff and and um you know so to me superman batman and spider-man were probably the the three main characters on my radar as growing up mm-hmm. even as a young adult right mm-hmm. um so it's surprising that i and my point is that it's surprising that iron man you know kind of carried or started that whole uh feige you know marvel verse right marvel universe right yeah um and to be honest with you i you know i wouldn't go out of my way to watch uh iron man 2 or iron man 3 you know like just you know like well if i wouldn't i wouldn't stop to watch those i might watch the captain america stuff because that was always interesting i had no oh that was the the other character that that was in that uh set that i had as a kid was captain america i mean i had no idea who he was until till the movies came out i mean i knew the character but i'd never read a book or or seen him on tv or in a cartoon or whatever like to me saturday morning cartoons were was my reference for that kind of stuff growing up. Right? So I'm really curious to continue this over to Jaime because I want to know just generationally where, like, if those are the ones that resonated for you, the sort of Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, those are the ones that jump out for you. Jaime, who was it for your generation that were the characters that were just like right there? 
Yeah, I think the the recognition definitely would have been there for the the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, the other ones like Green Lantern and Flash and Aquaman are, are probably not going to be front and center for mainstream folks my age and not, you know, comic book fans because that's a little different. Um, I, I do think that you end up with um, probably more like the, the X-Men and the Wolverines being, mm-hmm. uh, that was like really different. Like Wolverine was on every dang X team of some sort. Right? Oh, yeah. It's like, wait, he's on the West Coast team and the regular East Coast team. How's that possible? Is he like racking up those frequent flyer miles? What's going on? Right. They, <laughs> they put him in everything. They teamed him up with everybody. And so I think that grittier era, I mean, you've got, you know, like the um, the the Venom. I think Venom took his sort of anti-hero sort of approach around that time. You had mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, a, a lot of the Punisher. Yeah, Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Who was not like a new character, but he got a grittier sort of approach. Yeah, um, late late eighties, early nineties. He really just got. He was in the same thing as Wolverine. Every book, every crossover had three monthly titles. Was just as big as as any other character in, in comics at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned X Men too, because that's another another char- another group of people that I would only have known through the movie. Well, my first exposure to them was on Sega, right when you were playing the games right yeah, yeah um you know i had no idea who wolverine was it's yellow guy and jumping around and storm was you know she used to fly in lightning bolt people and that was my reference to those people right mm-hmm. so you know until and then when the movies came out i just kind of went along and and you know watched them and thank god patrick stewart was there to carry the movie right <laughs> and, and uh sorry and i shouldn't say that and as well as um well hugh jackman Halle hugh Barry, jackman and, and, you know, and, uh, and um the canadian girl what's her name oh yeah. anna paquin Anna Paquin, yeah, 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 she carried that one too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I mean, and and they were again, they were good, well produced movies, right? So mm-hmm. did they come out before Iron Man? Yes, they yeah, did. they okay. were sort of the the first foray into higher quality comic book adapted filmmaking. There there right. were certainly movies before them. Some were better than others. Blade really was the sort of best of the bunch. Right, right. Yeah. Blade was an odd an odd one too. It was, and it was a bit obscure, and I think that's why it worked and resonated but x-men was the first one and, and again they didn't really fully embrace you know they they were they'd much more sort of streamlined less garish costumes they, but, but that was really the the first time where people were like oh oh okay okay this could work and it helped pave that path towards the marvel cinematic universe we know now without that right, it doesn't yeah. exist it doesn't have the traction yeah for sure cool all right well um so i my the next story is for me and it's about so a, a couple of canadian uh, uh, filmmakers and I put them on here because you know first of all they're Canadian and we should celebrate our Canadian people but because they're the people who put together the Paw Patrol movie come on Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yes tongue firmly planted in cheek this is the story <laughs> for Jaime um, interesting though I, I I learned a few things about Paw Patrol uh, that I didn't know um, was uh, that Ian Armitage Ian Armitage Ian Armitage how do you say your name his name Ian the kid who plays young Sheldon okay is the voice of the, of the main pop and he's not yeah and, and in the in the trailer you know he says you're a dog he says no i'm not a dog i'm a pup a puppy right so of course jaime probably knew that already but <laughs> it looks like ian armitage, armitage. or armitage. armitage yes yes yeah and it's funny because you know barlin and bunk brunker are the two canadian uh gentlemen who were talking about you know they've you know made such classics as the nut job two son of bigfoot arctic dogs monsters on i mean come on you know 
But surprisingly, um, Barlin was actually, I didn't know this at the time, but Barlin was also a writer for George Stromalopoulos Tonight. So hmm. Bob Barlin and Carl Brunker, Toronto natives, who were the, who were the geniuses behind the Paw Patrol franchise verse. Paw Patrol verse? <laughs> verse Paw verse? Anyway. Yeah, the, yeah. the key takeaway line when I looked at, because uh, they're talking about how they didn't want to just do like a big episode for Paw Patrol, as they said, we wanted to focus, quote here, we wanted to focus on a character's main story and go on an immersion emotional journey with him which i think is exactly what i described as like oh that's a surprising through line story and some actual character growth wow yeah yeah the, the, the actual this story was originally picked was written originally written by the star but there's a reason why i didn't quote the star here um but uh, yeah they, they've something about like they they i don't know they've had some sort of pun that uh, that the canadian that i've got the link here from didn't didn't bring over which is kind of funny which is how i spotted it in the first place but you know we put it up there for for jaime's sake anyway all righty well kids we're at that part of the show where we start talking about star trek lower lower decks uh season two episode number nine it was spelled in klingon i believe on the um on the title screen today so i'm gonna go with wedge uh as it was spelt out on imdb so and again we're just going to do sort of a loose recap this time again or just hit the high points but uh so yeah so we we start off in the cerritos um where they're they're about to go on a they're on a long uh, trip. They're going to be traveling for quite a while at, at warp speed. So the captain decides to let the uh, crew have some R and R, and so the uh, the lower decks crew are you know hanging out in the in the cafeteria as they do, having their breakfast, ta- discussing you know their their bridge buddies that they're going to be hanging out with. So you know everybody's got like uh, Mariner has to go hang out with the captain, which is oh, what a drag. Well, it's her mom, um, you know. Yeah, her mom. Tendi has it has to hang out with uh, Doctor Tana. Her, who's her bridge buddy and uh of course rutherford is going to hang out with uh, shacks which is going to be lots of fun right um and uh, of course uh you know baby bear and shacks hanging out <laughs> and there's going to be no uh there's nobody for Bo- uh, boimler to hang out with so he's a little little uh, uh put out with that and so he, he says something which a really interesting line he says you know i wish we had social structures like you know, like the borg or the or the the vulcans or the klingons and at which point you know uh mariner says or becky says um you know you, you have no idea what it's like to be on a klingon ship you didn't know it. you would even survive a minute so we smash cut over to a another version so the titles come up again and it's this time it's in klingon and it's the klingon lower decks and of course you know we head, we head down into the lower decks of of a vulcan cruiser and uh where we meet four lower decks folks you know there's there's parallel characters in those ones and the, the boimler one is talking about how it would be a great honor to go and serve with the captain and maybe get in a skirmish and you know help back the captain up as as he takes a challenge from somebody else and that kind of stuff and you know the logical thing to do would be to to, to you know get your put yourself in this position and one of them one of them screams out you know logic what are you a vulcan at which point we smash cut over to a uh, vulcan ship oh i they're, they're joking about vulcans and the one line they say you know avoid death and cower is the vulcan is the vulcan <laughs> yes. way but um so they smash cut over to uh the Vulcan uh, lower decks, and so we were on a ship now, and uh, this time, and uh, they're all um, dealing with uh, with uh, you know their sort of thing. And one of them says, you know, would you be available for chess? And the other one says, no, I have to do you know this and that and whatever. And one just sort of says, I'm available for chess, and very stern, you know, emotionless Vulcan dialogue going on there, which is great. So we come back to so they're talking about it, and this and the one uh, Vulcan is she looks a lot like uh, Beckett, uh, or sorry, Mariner. 
she she's saying uh, she has this you know she's putting she's been doing the extra scanning and you know going deep range and uh, off of out of her assigned you know duties and and because she feels that it would be the right thing to do and they're like feel whoa you're you're totally out of control but yeah. in a very deadpan Vulcan way right um, and then we go go back over to the the uh, Vulcan ship and of course there's a skirmish on the uh, on the 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 bridge as as uh, one of the lieutenants takes on the the captain to try and win you know the the, the captain's seat and and I, I thought it was interesting that as he as the the captain's you know um, pushes the blade into the Oliver Vulcan's chest that you get that sort of I thought purple blood because you remember in in the undiscovered country they had mm-hmm. the purple blobs of Klingon blood flowing around mm-hmm. so because they don't have red blood they have but they described this purple or pinkish red blood in in that point one point in this thing yeah it looks like um, abysmal almost yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we come back to come back to the Cerritos and and Boims is uh, needs to de- has decided he needs to go and, and snag a bridge buddy. So he goes up to and I've forgotten his name now, Kayshawn, um, Kayshawn, and starts talking Tamarian to him. And of course, they have a really interesting, you know, funny dialogue gobbledygook conversation. At which point, you know, Bar- Mar- Boimler says something to to Kayshawn, uh and insults him, and and you know, Kayshawn gets up. Well, are you, I've been working on my way. Then I don't know why you would say that and runs away right so uh so that's not working out for him anyway so you know then then he goes checks in on uh on shanks and and rutherford and of course they're 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 working they're they're spinning their clay on the i forgot to mention they're going to work on pottery but so they're working on the on the clay and you know uh shanks is talking about how you put your rage into the clay and for force it into you know into being and that kind of stuff and uh i forget what um um um, boimler says to him but but he gets quite upset with boimler he basically insults his weight accidentally by using the wrong uh, Temerian phrase. Right? Oh no, no, he talks about Bajor. He says, "Is this what you like oh, to, oh, like to do Sorry, back on Bajor?" Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, Bajor is like, because apparently, um, he, I guess he's part of the the underground yeah, the Bajor. He's yeah. part of the resistance, and and so of course, you know, he's very upset to be to be to have Bajor referenced. And Rutherford, you know, stands between him and and Boimler and says, "Put your rage into the clay," and so that calms him down. So. Put it in the clay. Put it in the clay. We Papa go back bear, over to because he's baby bear, bear, right? So that's right. that was yeah. He says Papa Bear. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And we go back to the Vulcan ship, and of course now the the character whose name is Talin Talin uh, is now in trouble with uh, you know, and she's been sent up to see the the uh, commander of the of the Vulcan ship, and of course voiced by Tom and Len, Thomas Lennon. I don't know if you know that character, that guy. Uh, he's been in a few sitcoms and stuff like that. Uh, very distinct voice. Yep. Uh, um, anyway, he's the Vulcan commander. And he's talking to Talyn about you know how she needs to work on her self control. She's like you know she's you know feelings and and impulses and and these kind of things are are unbecoming of a Vulcan uh, person. And he's like you know you should go to your I order you to go to your room and do some self medic meditation for a while and you know get back to your get centered again. And and she's like no way I've got too much work to do. And he's like I order this and you will go and meditate anyway. So we come over to back to to uh, the Cerritos and and this time. Um, Tendi and uh, Doctor Ta- um, her name Tana. Tana, yeah. Tana is cl- they're cl- they're doing the the uh, the climb up the rock face like uh, I think I forget which was it number five. Five, um, yes. Sadly, mm-hmm. yes. Your favorite movie, Star Trek Five. Um, and and of course you know uh, Boimler shows up with with Spock's hover boots, right? And let's let's throw back to that one. Um, and of course you know he loses control over it and starts falling. And and Tendi's like, yeah, we, the safety protocols are on. And Tana. And says, I don't know. What do I care? <laughs> and of course, you know. So we see 
bomber, uh, Boimler sit landing in a, in a tree. Yeah. So then we, uh, and of course he, he, he's like, he's given up on trying to find it, find a, a bridge buddy. He's kind of lost and he runs into the, uh, into the elevator and, uh, or the lift and, uh, turbo lift. And he runs into, uh, Commander Ransom and two other, uh, one, one's clearly an alien, the one, the blue aliens that, that breathe the special oxygen, um, and talking about how, you know, they're talking about how they're going to do a Hawaii sort of thing, the Luai one. And Boimler's like, oh yeah, Hawaii, like with the sand and the shirts and stuff. And they're like, oh, are you from Hawaii too? And he goes, uh, yeah, I'm from Hawaii. So of course, you know, he gets caught in this lie. And of course, all three of them are saying they're from Hawaii, including the blue dude who's like breathing the special oxygen. Um, and he says, well, come and join us and hang out. We'll do some Hawaiian stuff together. And, and, uh, where they go. Right. We see, um, uh, there was a scene there where, where, uh, where, um, he also goes to visit, uh, um, Mariner and her mother who are, you know, are fighting off, uh, um, simulations with their, with their, uh, phasers and, and yelling at each other about, you know, how people are acting and what have you. And, um, at the end of it, you know, uh, uh Mariner comes out and says, this is the longest warp of my life, you know? So the, the, back on the Klingon ship, they, they, uh, the captain reveals his, uh, well, I think by this time that the young, uh, Klingon has, has one honor. Uh, I think he defeats the, one of the people, um, and gets chosen to be the, the, the chosen one. He's went and got the blood wine and he's walked the, the, the Vulcan pet. I've forgotten the name of it. The Klingon Targ. Um, yeah. Targ. Yeah. He walks the, the commander's Targ and, and, uh, you know, wins honor. Um, so the captain reveals that, uh, the empire is going to use the pack lead. They're going to give them a quick, uh, uh, enough weapons, and uh, I don't know any any. I've never heard of any situation where a large power would give another smaller power weapons and cause them to go start a war somewhere. Well, on, uh, um, under, to point out though, it's, it was not the, the Empire; it's this guy, right? It's this, this guy. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he says we can claim we can claim for the the region for our empire, um, but he's been feeding the uh, supplying the packlets with weapons, so they will attack the Federation, right? Mm. Anyway, uh, and of course the Packlet guy goes, yeah, we really like the bomb you sent us, but, you know, it stopped working after we used it. <laughs> and the guy, it's like a bomb. It only works once, you know, kind of thing. Um, anyway, back on Cerritos, you know, uh, um, they're, they're running into trouble as, as they start getting attacked by the, by the Packlets and, and uh, everybody's concerned and uh, Boimler's concerned because he's, he's like, I don't want to die in a Hawaiian shirt. And like, and they all look at him like, what? <laughs> what, man? And it turns out that he, he sits down and admits that he's not really from Hawaii. He's actually from, from um, I forget where he said now, uh, Modesto, California. And uh, and uh, so the the blue alien dude says, yeah, well, I'm not really from Hawaii either. I just said that to, to get along with you guys. And then the other lady says, I'm I'm not from there either. I said that as well. And then Ransom also admits that he's not from Hawaii. He <laughs> mentioned it when he was a young young cadet and he had to carry the, carry on the, 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 fa- the fiction for his whole career. And he's actually, I'm actually from the moon. And, you know, and uh, the young lady says, I'm also from the moon. And turns out that the blue dude is also from the moon of his his system and uh so they're like they're all hey we're all moon buddies and then you know uh boimler who of course feels now left out again says well modesto's kind of like a moon and it's the moon of san francisco yeah they're like no it's not you know anyway but anyway they they they, they forgive him and he still gets to be pals with them um okay so oh yes and the, <laughs> so the funny part is, is is of course you know we have to sort of in theme of this show of seeing how all the 
lower decks work across the the various different uh, societies or races or or species, whatever. Um, we see we have to sort of see the pack led um, lower decks, and they're just sitting there going, "I'm hungry, I'm hungry too." Yeah, they're not really doing anything uh, as their as their, their ship is in, in middle of a war. Uh, so the young Klingon, yeah, the young Klingon kills ends up killing the captain and becomes the captain of the ship, surprisingly. Uh, so he decides he's he's against the oh yes he's he's against the whole uh, setting up the packlets kind of deal and and uh, refuses not to, refuses not to do it and stabs his knife into the into the deck which, which point the captain attacks him and uh, he ends up uh, he ends up uh, killing killing the captain with the help of of the targ because the targ comes and bites the captain in the middle in mid fury because I guess the targ likes the young Klingon and the young Klingon I can't remember I don't know if he had a name but he becomes the captain of the ship and he decides well we'll just you know he decides to leave and leave the war and or this little skirmish and and what have you right um i mean there is a there is a battle that goes happens between the two the two the pack and the klingon ship and and the cerritos and they're all in this big you know star trek type war thing um but when the klingons leave the pack kind of uh lose it and and cerritos blasts the pack ship oh by the way i just wanted to point out too that i forgot to mention that that uh when they're working out like you know how we have the disco shirts for the disco workout for the discovery mm-hmm um, Captain, or Captain uh, Freeman is wearing a Ritos shirt. I was, yeah, I, I was going to say, when do we order our Ritos shirts? Exactly. I think that's coming, right? And then, um, yeah, transfer, sorry, uh, then um, uh, the captain's again, the Vulcan captain's again talking to Talyn about how, you know, she's, we can't have you, you know, like, you know, your your uh, style of, uh, of emotions and feelings and, and instincts can't, you know, that's not the Vulcan way. And, you know, she's like, okay, I'll pack up my things and go back to Vulcan. He goes, no, no, I'm going to reassign you to a Starfleet ship because you'll fit right in over there. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of funny because I kind of envisioned like okay so we're going to get like some more characters on the Cerritos you know we'll have a Vulcan and we'll have a Klingon and whatever and the best I, I think the best joke is is at the end there when uh, after all the, all said and done we go and see the Borg Lower Decks uh, folks as the titles of the show run and of course the in the lower in the Borg they're all just you know they're all plugged into their, their sleeping what do they call those charging stations or whatever their, their key charging stations and of course they're just mm-hmm standing there being charged right because that's what you know you, you just plug yourself in the computer when you're a borg right yeah the, the whole concept of a lower decks for the borg was was kind of uh, interesting when they went there and i watched <laughs> i was like maybe they'll do something different and i watched oh, through the credits oh, wow. and i didn't see it they just, they're just there quietly in their uh their alcove maybe with seven and nine called it yeah i don't know they had a name for it when seven because seven had to have one as well that's where she hibernated right hibernation chamber maybe uh yeah but anyway, that's sort of the the, the what was interesting about this particular episode was was how they kind of they they did the perspective of all the very like you know set up by Boimler's statement at the beginning of the show, you know what's the lower deck look like on the Klingon ship and what's the lower deck look like on the Vulcan ship and the Packled ship and and of course the Borg Bork ship. So we get this sort of, and it's funny because it, it, every time they went to a different different um, um, alien species, they did the titles in of that particular you know said the Vulcan lower decks and the yeah. Klingon. Lower and we decks. actually did get the pack lid lower decks too right yeah so i mentioned that they yeah. that's about where i'm hungry i'm hungry too i am hungry you should eat you are smart yeah <laughs> oh, i love it. i just the, the line made me laugh out loud i am hungry 
you should eat. I am. You are smart. You are smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, but you know, interesting. Like you know, like I, I love that kind of thing where you get the different thing, and and it's it's kind of like a mirror universe episode because we get to see the different perspectives. And in fact, that's a, the original lower decks was the original lower decks on on the next generation was the same sort of deal. It was you know what happens to the the crew when they're not you know if they're off duty, what do they do, and and you know what are these what are the people who clean the toilets do, right? Sort mm-hmm. of thing deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. This there was wasn't a- much state. Or crate stacking in this show, though. No, surprisingly little considering. But then yeah. I guess that's the kind of the point is different crew, different different deals. But uh, right, yeah. All right, so so two questions. One, which which crew would you least like to be on, most like to be on? Hmm. Well, yeah, I think the 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 Vulcans are probably. Oh, sorry, the the Klingons are probably too extreme for me. I don't think I would would enjoy being a, on a Klingon ship, even even like you know the like the episode where Riker goes and serves on one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the and the I guess the 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 Vulcans is kind of interesting, but yeah, you. But you, the passive aggressiveness of the Vulcans like the, the line yeah. at the end where you know she gets reassigned to the Federation ship and she's there turns looks over her shoulder and says live long and prosper sir, sir. it yeah. may as well be like live long and go F yourself like it was just yeah, 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 it was yeah, yeah. like the most perfect Vulcan you know insult within salute. a yeah, within yeah, a salute yeah. that made me laugh yeah. Sorry, how may I cut you off? No, I, I was thinking that uh, the Federation ship is probably the easiest to deal with because the, the Klingon ship would be full of danger as yeah. people mm. either intentionally trying to hurt you or just accidentally hurting you in their boisterous uh, celebrations. And then the the Vulcan one would be hard to do. I mean, you saw how the running joke was like, you know, you're getting kicked off the ship because of your emotional outbursts, right? <laughs> Which are yeah. like completely you calm, are rational. out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Acting like yeah. a child. Yeah. Mm. Now, um, from the episode, I also enjoyed the uh, cry havoc and let slip the dogs yep. of war phrase. A nice yeah, little tip of the, the hat Christopher Plummer Chang. line, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite quote from the episode, I wrote this one down because it made me laugh, is, is from the first scene on the, on the Klingon ship when they're going their separate ways. And the one guy says, save me a seat at lunch. Unless I die an honorable death, then someone else can have it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Also, avoid death and cower was also like I. I just love that they're like you know, the vaguely racist statements going back and live forth. Live long and prosper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Live long and prosper becomes avoid death and cower. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Again, I, I think these guys are on a roll. I thought last week's was was extremely funny with the the hollow decks playing on all the Star Trek tropes. This one is a little more accessible just because it's it's pretty much straight as it is. You do have to know obviously a little bit about the the different races, but uh, but I this was super super funny. I loved also I loved uh, uh, Freeman and and uh, Mariner playing what seemed to be uh, Federation Clue. Where they were like, I think it was the chef in the, you know, hallway with the, you know, uh, sniper rifle that can shoot through walls. And she's, you always think it's the chef. And she says, yeah, because we have replicators. What the heck do we need a chef for? It's always sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what they're yelling at each other about? I kind of missed that. Uh, Well, that no, that's what they're. So the first scene, they're having the sort of the the holodeck fight thing. And then she calls her back up to her chambers and and, uh, her, her her quarters and they uh they're playing that game when they get the call that they have to go investigate this this alarm anomaly yeah i also like that the pack led the pack led chip that says red alarm red, red alarm. alarm red alarm red alarm yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, and the best one, the best one was when, when they were on the Vulcan ship and they were talking about how, you know, this, this cling, uh, this Vulcan was having emotional outbursts, even though from our perspective, she's not having any of them. And they talk about punitive spiritualism. That is the best thing I've ever heard. That's like the most perfect encapsulation of like, you know, uh, people who are devoutly religious, punitive spiritualism. Yeah. Like you have to be yeah, punished. Ten Hail Marys and five yeah, oh, fathers. And... I love that phrase. That is so good. That is what I, I yeah. strive to avoid in with every fiber of my lifetime is, is punitive spiritualism. Well, and it's like the uh, the uh, the one woman who says, the, to, to Lynn says, you know, you know, I, I had to scan because, you know, I was trying to look into these these weird anomalies or what. And, and the other Vulcan says, by definition, anomalies are weird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, strange. So is Talyn coming to the Cerritos? I don't know. I mean, that's what I was sort of like. She looked very, she's very, she reminds me, she reminded me of Mariner, right? Um, well, she she's, she's the, like the crap disturber of her team, right? Yeah. Even yeah, though yeah. From, by our standards, she's, you know, incredibly capable and, and thoughtful and creative, but they don't value any of that, right? Yeah. And, think, and I think the Klingon dude was, was Boimler, right? Am I right there? Or, or do you think it was Rutherford? Um, yeah, I think he was supposed to be sort of the, the by-the-books character like Boimler. Right, yeah. I did yeah. like that uh, they um, Mark Evan Jackson, who is an actor, he was Sean on The Good Place, the, the big bad villain from, from Hell and, and The Good Place, and he was also on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as, uh, as Kevin for a long time. He did two of the voices on this week's episode, too. He was that, mm. uh, the sort of sandy-haired uh, Vulcan, and he was also the blue alien whose race I cannot fish out. We'll have to look at the right, next right. week. Uh, on hmm. there, he did two of the voices, but he has such a distinctive voice. I immediately like grabbed hold of it. I, was like, oh, I love Mark Evan Jackson. He's so good. Hmm. Yeah, it was really. Enjoy- I, I enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry that I had to take notes because I would like just sit back and watch it. It would have been fun. Oh, this one will be worth. I mean, so much of the season will be worth worth mm-hmm. a rewatch. You know, I've, I've rewatched a couple of them a few times. Uh, sometimes uh, Xavier and I can't line our schedules up, so we watch them, and I'll I'll just sit and rewatch them with him when he watches it. Just they are. Yeah, they are. They're really clicking. They're really clicking. This has been a great season. Yeah, we watched it together today because he's he's here today, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I guess we should talk about what if next, right? Yes. What if the Watcher broke his oath mm-hmm. and Jonathan got what he wanted again? And the oath is not to interfere? Not to interfere, yes. So just the 30-second the recap coming off last week's episode where we have this sort of ultra-aware Ultron who is, you know, inside the Vision's body and is mm-hmm. empowered by the Infinity Stones and has now basically become this, you know, sort of semi-omnipotent creature who can see through the multiverses. The Watcher decides to sort of go through and do a greatest hits from this season of What If and pick cherry-pick all these characters from the different episodes to create the guardians of the multiverse. So he gets uh, Star-Lord T'Challa, he gets a Captain Carter, he gets uh, frat boy Thor, he gets, uh, who am I missing? Um, to uh, Zoe Zeldana character. Oh, that's right, Gamora. He gets Gamora yeah. last year. And he doesn't choose Tony Stark. And he doesn't choose Tony Stark. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's and basically brings them together so that they can, oh, an evil Doctor Strange or uh, this Doctor Strange yeah, Supreme. Well, he's part of, yeah, he, well, he started the whole thing with him last week, right? Yeah, so. and so the whole episode basically builds around how do they, uh, how do they stop this this semi-omnipotent creature? How do they, how do they do this? And they concoct a couple of different strategies to try and 
and you know take away the stones and depower him and do things differently and uh yeah it's just it's sort of a nice sort of culmination of the season and also brings back some of these sort of fan favorites we even get a nice uh a nice moment where we get the marvel zombies uh coming in yeah. coming into play in mass quantities at one point including uh the zombified scarlet witch Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, an interesting episode, an interesting way to wrap up the season. Uh, what were your takeaways, guys? Well, it was interesting. I like the twist where you know their their plot is to get some of the stones or all of the stones and destroy them, mm-hmm. and they figure that's that's going to be the key to to their survival. And but what spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet? But the 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 twist is that when they destroy the stones, they only end up destroying the stones in the one in Gamora's universe. Yeah, that doesn't work for them. Yeah. So, doesn't work it doesn't work in all the places right so and there's a lot of there's a lot of battling back and forth and dr strange plays a huge role in terms of uh, casting protection spells on them right so um, that's sort of a, a nice sort of bit of armor for them to have right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, uh black widow shows up um and it's f- the funny the dialogue between captain carter and uh, and um her uh and black widow is that you know they she tells she convinces her to join them because she's the only survivor on her particular world uh, Black Widow, and she convinces her that you know they're actually friends in 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 their own universe, in the other universes, right? So they join forces, and and she plays a key role in 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 the defeating of first Ultron, and then second, who takes oh, over? Oh yes, Killmonger. Is, that was the other character yeah. was uh, was the yeah the Killmonger that that ends up sort of duplicitously becoming Black Panther and taking over Wakanda. That was the other character yeah. for the the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that was my subtitle to this one. But what if, what if Killmonger was still an ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They really, it's funny. Like they really have done that character pretty, pretty consistently dirty. Like I, I really thought at some point there would be a redemption arc. But even when they brought him on board, I was like, oh, that's gonna end badly. Yeah, and I I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, you end up with the misguided Doctor Strange playing like penance, right? Mm-hmm. By always having to watch the. Um, I forget the Hydra Nazi doctor's name and uh, oh Arnim Zola. Yes, thank you. And uh, Killmonger battling it out infinitely in, in that little pocket universe. That's like a pocket inside a pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's kind of yeah. kind of a neat nifty one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you had Strange with the the time stone, so he was able to to fight Ultron at some uh, equivalent level when Ultron was trying to use the time stone to to uh, is he like slowing down time and then taking the stones in that part of the scene? Right. Yeah, it's funny though because. All things being equal, I felt like Thanos was a much better master of the stones. Like, you know, he, the way that he used those stones in those Avengers movies where he, you know, he changed reality and he did things and and sort of never fell prey to what other people expected from him. I feel like maybe it was because of the type of character that Ultron is, but he wasn't as creative in his use of the stones. Obviously, it just suits the story needs, but... He he wasn't really, I think, using them to the potential that, that Thanos kind of found. Yeah, I think maybe there's some, some difference in, in how the characters approach things, given that um, in this timeline that we were watching, you had Ultron just immediately decide to bisect Thanos, yeah. right? Before Thanos could even think about what to do. So that, that that sort of machine efficiency was there, but maybe lacking the creativity of a of a living being and what you would do with, with infinite power. Yeah. What did you guys make of the the stinger the, the the last little little bit within the credits where we see 
spoilers, Captain Carter uh, discovers that Steve slash the Iron, uh, what do they call it? The It's like Smasher? Or, oh, yes, uh, that's right. Hydra Smasher. Hydra Smasher. Hydra Smasher. Yeah, that the Hydra Smasher armor is is uh, has survived into, you know, the 2000s like, like she has and that Steve is theoretically inside. Is that just supposed to be the happy ending or is that to be continued? Mm. Feels like to be continued. Like other people, um, oh, oh, yes, because they, they, they did they did us a little dirty on this one and that and this is why I just for anybody who's watching this on streaming just you know fast forward until you you stop seeing stuff um this is the only time this season that was actually worthwhile i think yep. where it's after they do the 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 credits where they have like the backgrounds of uh, the different episodes uh, art they actually did have the little stinger with captain carter and and getting that info and uh, i'm not the only one in the internet to think this it did feel like the winter soldier for uh, yeah, it did. yeah felt like that was what they were setting up yeah and we do know we're getting a season two i wonder if we're going to see more of the same characters or if we're going to continue to explore new worlds and, and where we'll go from there but yeah i guess uh now that we sort of reached the end of the road for season one do you guys have any overall impressions do you feel like it was you know a uh, time well spent do you think you know does it rank well with other marvel experiences for you yeah i think it was it was a good uh good show um yeah I like i again i come back to uh, i'm i i in one side of me is, is is glad that they kind of brought all these sort of weird stories together because it kind of brings some cohesiveness to it but i also like i still like the the anthology style of storytelling where you don't have to have them connected right you know yeah i i mean each of those episodes up until a point kind of overlapped and worked well together i, I feel like it really was only in the last few where things started to sort of tie together i don't know if it works better as, as a full anthology and i do wonder if we will see any spillover if we'll see any of these characters within the cinematic mcu if we'll if if we'll see a captain carter if we'll see any of those characters spin out or if this is just sort of its own contained thing Hard to say. Hard to say. All right, should we move on to our watch list? Hell yeah. Sure. Hell yeah. All right, how many are up first? What Picard thing do you have first this week? <laughs> Mine actually was, you know, based on the episode of Lower Decks. This is actually quite quite timely. So this is a, a comic. It's SheldonComics.com. Um, despite the name, it does not have anything to do with the Big Bang Theory character. This is a different web comic. But the, the basic premise is, you know, why do Star Trek ships always meet nose to nose as if it was you know like like sailing ships on on the ocean you know in, in 3d space they should be oriented in all sorts of weird ways but but they don't do that right and, and the cool battle that we saw uh, in today's episode definitely had them all on more or less the same plane same orientation and this comic is not going to play well in audio medium go check out the show notes for those of you transporting at home it shows you why you know for for the the art side of these episodes they don't do it that way because even if it was more realistic like it would look dumb <laughs> it would look weird and odd to your eye that these different ships are are just like what that one's crooked why why are they lining up like that hmm. that's exactly what i thought when you asked the question why would they <laughs> all right cool uh, i've got the Sounds the lego star wars uh terrifying tales which is now up on uh up on disney plus 
Uh, I watched this today. It was entertaining. They treat it very similarly to what we saw from the the Lego Star Wars holiday special we saw last uh, wintertime, wherein it's sort of a little anthology built around a sort of overarching plot. We see little little vignettes set in different time periods. So we see the the sort of Ray Finn era. We see the uh, the, the Luke uh, Skywalker era, and then we see a little bit of the prequel area. And uh, yeah, it's it's typical Lego Star Wars fare. It's funny. It's got some sort of goofy moments. Obviously, it's probably uh, better aimed at a younger audience. But there was definitely enough there for me to enjoy and laugh and and some of the the tropes and and uh, you know it is the closest thing we have to a lower decks kind of thing for Star Wars, where we have something just on the, the sort of lighter side. You know, taking taking the uh, you know the, the guff out of of Star Wars universe. So yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. It's you know it's forty five minutes it's uh it's an enjoyable 45 minutes and probably worth a watch and it's based around the whole halloween theme yeah each one of them is is sort of a you know a a sort of a spooky tale set within that uh you know uh instead of doing the story of the monkey's paw they do the story of the wookie's paw you know they they sort of go these different sort of directions and and they're telling all these stories inside of darth vader's abandoned old castle and it's sort of the haunted house kind of theme to it uh again always very sort of kid-friendly never goes very far uh there is sort of a, a zombie motif at one point with sort of the the night of the living dead but it's the it's the battle droids and, and you know roger roger it, there's some funny stuff in there that uh you know again it, it sort of picks up off of of you know taking taking some fun and uh and taking some of the, the fun stuff out of the star wars universe it's it's like i say it's definitely worth it all right well i've got i've got a couple of things here no time to die opens tomorrow as we record actually it opens today i think there were some showings today surprisingly um yeah and i looked at the i looked at the uh, the sort of seating plans uh, for the imax in particular it looks like they're they're selling seats in pairs and then a space between them so they must have some sort of algorithm that that shows you the available seats based on the number because i noticed that one one um person had bought three seats together um and they must have some algorithm to to uh, do that but of course you know i think you know the first day uh, you're going to see this thing it's going to be packed or it's going to fill up quick uh, some showings had so, sold out already but um yeah it'd be interesting to see that i want to see that one on the imax but maybe maybe we'll wait till midweek when when the the fur dies dies down did, did we we went the second week right john we didn't go the first week to shang chi oh well past that i think we actually saw it four weeks out oh really okay yeah okay. so that's the the tricky part is if we want to see any of these movies that are coming out in october on imax there'll be a faster rotation just because there's more volume of movies coming out so we'll have to sort of see what makes sense if we feel comfortable obviously going to to different types of shows the because the bond movies out now but then you know dune is dropping soon and then eternals is dropping soon so we're going to see a lot more turnover in those theaters than than there was before yeah so i had dune down here too because the final trailer they call it the final trailer i don't know why they call it final trailer but the final trailer for dune dropped today i think is that different so, than the one we saw at the theater last week i don't know i, I didn't I haven't watched it yet, but I just saw it. Just noticed today it said final trailer, but hmm. um, like as the, if the one we saw in the theater was one I'd never seen before. It, like it was definitely more yeah. plot focused. Yeah, this this could be the one. But anyway, the the, the that's coming. When's that coming into theater? Do you know? June. Yeah, I know it was at the, the film festival, but. 
Yeah. Dune is uh, HBO Max on the 22nd, so I think it's opening the same day on uh, theaters. Really? Mm. Yep. You're, you're absolutely yeah, I got right. An email about, I got an email about that. Are you going to sit really close to the TV when you watch that one, Jaime? I mean, <laughs> that's how you can get a, a you know, <laughs> pro tip, life pro tip. This is how you get you know a, a bigger TV experience is by just sitting closer yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Or hold the iPad closer to your face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just take your, your iPhone and, and put it on like as if it was VR goggles and you have a massive like 80 inch tv equivalent okay jonathan can't you watch movies on those playstation thingies oh the vr goggles yeah i know you can yeah you can yeah i'm not sure that would be my ideal viewing experience but yeah you can well you know you get the surround sound and all that right so sure all exciting just you know have have somebody like blow popcorn plaster your nose as you're watching it you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, give you a big gulp to drink. It'll be hard to uh, hard to replicate that experience that we had last week of an IMAX theater to ourselves. That that seems yeah. like a once in a lifetime kind of deal. Yeah, we did. We didn't have a ten second rewind though. That's the only problem. That's true. It would have been nice if we did. That would have the only thing that would have made it perfect is if we could pause just so we can make wise wise ass comments while we watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I could go back and watch the parts I slept through. That right? would also be good. Yeah. Yeah. The good news mm-hmm. is it's coming to uh, Disney Plus in November, so you'll be able to catch up. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Free Guy is already on on mm-hmm. the Disney, right? Mm-hmm. All righty. Okay. Well, I guess is uh, Black Widow free and clear now, or yeah, is it just still... this week? It's now free oh, for okay. anybody who. Uh, has Disney Plus. Hasn't seen it. Right. Well, we recommend you watch Black Widow and Free Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get around to it, you watch Shang-Chi. But uh, yeah, your, your mileage may vary. So I guess that's it for another week. So until next time, uh, Jonathan, how do we find you? You can always get me on Instagram and Twitter as at JPK News. Alrighty, Jaime. Why would we want to get in touch with you, Jaime? Yeah, why would we want to get in? Jaime, what the hell, right? Um, so Jaime, how would we get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. Oh, one more thing before we go. One more thing. One more thing. One. There is one more thing. Um, this is a couple of days past the anniversary of Steve Jobs passing 10 years ago. Mm. And I'm part of a group called James Dempsey and the Breakpoints. I call myself a conditional breakpoint because I'm. that's a coding joke. But um, yeah, so we put together a song called One More Thing. Um, James Dempsey wrote it and he asked a bunch of us to provide back, background vocals and guitars and you know one of the guys even even played um a didgeridoo um yeah so there's violins and strings and electric guitars and stuff like that and uh, we're all singing this song called one more thing which is a tribute to steve jobs and the lyrics are all things that steve jobs would have said during his keynotes so Give it a listen, enjoy, and all that kind of stuff. And until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
There you go. Another one bites the dust. That was a quick one. Yeah, well, I'm getting not, not a lot of links for us. I guess, yeah, right? we didn't no have a ton of news this week. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I actually had uh, it, I had a really super busy week at work this week, and yeah. I sat down to look at today. I was like, oh, there's only a couple things in there. Maybe I'll have a look around, and I really only found a couple more things it's that were worth talking about. It's a you do the show with, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny, because it goes in cycles. Like, last week, we seemed like we had a ton of news. The week before that was a little slow, mm. so it seems like it's coming in waves, but... Yeah. Yeah, we'll Tomorrow, see. we're getting the, uh, the trailer for Lost in Space Season 3. Is supposed to drop on Netflix, and I imagine they'll, really? they'll announce the uh, drop date. So stay tuned for that. All right. I saw uh, the official Netflix Lost in Space feed posted that today, saying check cool. out tomorrow trailer coming. I'm looking forward to that Ooh. one. I actually, uh, I'm glad you turned me on to that one. That was a, a really enjoyable first couple seasons. Oh, you like that one? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I like the cast. I like the, I like the pacing that you know that they've put in there. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they can stick the landing on it because I've enjoyed the first two. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Doctor Smith character is always a piece of work in in that that story. So we'll see. Have to see where that goes. Yeah. And yeah. They really, they really po- screwed the pooch on the the Lost in Space movie. Uh, oh that yeah. They did. Yeah. Yeah. But even the mom yeah, and dad, so. like they were kind of in the original series, were kind of dull as dishwater. But the the characters, you know, again Molly Parker. I mean, they, they they've actually made them pretty compelling. And then the relationship between the, the yeah. siblings and the and the robot, and yeah, I think I think they've well, done a really funny, good job. It's funny, funny you mention that about the uh, the um, original TV series, right? Um, June Lockhart and uh, was a huge Western and movie star. And Guy, what's his name? I've forgotten his name now. The guy who played the father was actually Zorro. Like, you know, he was he was quite well known, you know, as an actor. And um, yeah, they were a bit put out when, when Dr. Smith and Bill Mooney and the robot kind of became the, the like they were sort of the C-3PO and R2-D2 sort of of the of that show. They kind of became the star. Even the, you know, Angela Cartwright and... and um, and the woman who played Judy and the boyfriend, uh, the co-pilot dude. I mean, they they all kind of took a back seat to these these three: uh, Doctor Smith, Bill Mooney, and or Will Robinson and uh, the robot. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. kind of funny the way that worked out. Yeah. Anywho, because they had more, they had more bigger roles, you know, in the early on in the in the show. But yeah, you know, but when you're when you're like six or seven or eight or nine, you know, it it passes as science fiction. It doesn't really hold up when mm-hmm. you look at it. No, I wouldn't say that that series necessarily holds up terribly well. No, no, it was it was like, and you, it can, you remember too, it was up against uh, Star Trek, right? So it was like yeah. it didn't hold a candle at all, yeah. right? So anywho, all right. It's getting uh, getting colder here. Yeah, it's actually still kind of strangely warm here. Yeah. Let's see. Hey, like yeah, normally it would be like you know it would get getting down in weather. The leaves would be turning color. Thanksgiving is well, <laughs> I don't know about you, honey, but it's our Thanksgiving this weekend. Um, but uh, and moose yeah, day. Nor- huh? Moose, and day. moose day. Moose day. Yeah. So apparently, oh, and moose day. Uh, by moose day, the the leaves have all changed color and you know pretty cold and rainy and whatever. But it's been like summertime weather here, like. I mean, not typical summertime weather, but like 20 degrees, which is, you know, unheard of. Yeah, I'm looking at the current weather. It claims it is 64 Fahrenheit, which is 17, almost 18 in uh, Tirana. And right now it is 54 here, which is around 12 Celsius. For, yeah, yeah, cold. And, yeah, and you're considerably later in the night uh, than we are. So it's kind of interesting that you're staying that warm. We we get a warm uh, a warming front coming off our Lake Ontario that tends to generally keep the Toronto area warmer. 
Plus, we're further south. We'll talk about that on the show. <laughs> yeah. It, it also, it's funny because you see the forecast and, and Buffalo is getting hammered and they're just on the other side of the, the lake from us. But yeah, it's because of the warming effect of the lake that we, we don't get quite as pounded as they do. They're hammered with what? Snow, cold weather, really it's, bad conditions. Oh, I, I mean, it's snowing today. I'm like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> Typ- typically in the wintertime, though, they get like way, way, way worse treatment than we do because by the time those storm fronts go over the lake, it warms and it rises the air and it's not nearly as bad. We we don't don't get it as bad as Buffalo does. Well, and before global warming, we would have had snow by now for sure. You know? eh, usually, end of October was sort of when it, yeah. we would sort of see flurries or a little bit. Now, usually, it's not till mid November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to always I used to always say that November fourteenth was when it would start snowing because when I lived in Owen Sound, there was a guy who used to paint November fourteenth on the front of his plow, or he would paint something every year, and I just remember seeing November fourteenth. <laughs> I remember so going into a, uh, a Halloween party when I was in college in Belleville, uh, which is about maybe 100, 110, 120 miles from here, Jaime. And uh, I remember going into the party and it was clear and coming out at like, you know, 12 o'clock and it was white. Like as far as yeah. the eye could see, we were like, it was fall when we went in. The clock struck November 1st and it was like there was snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Carol's birthday's first of like the fourth of November. By that time, like it's the worst weather ever. Like you know, rainy, miserable. You know, sweaters and all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, I'll see you and raise you January the eleventh. Well, you know, by then we're in the you, depths you could, of it. You could have hung on and been born like you know in March. You know, uh, yeah, I was already like a like a little bit late, so I don't think my mom would have appreciated that very much. No, probably not. Considering I, I came out at like damn near ten pounds too. I was going to say like you could have come out at like eleven or twelve pounds. I could. I could have come out like luggage at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark's not here. No, it is Mark. Let me in, man. It's because you say we're going to de- devolve into uh, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Yeah. yeah. Are you familiar with the Cheech and the Chong, Jaime? I am. And I've seen the, um, you know, the, the, the originals that are, you know, uncut and everything instead of being the, you know, for TV on Comedy Central. And they, they change a lot of the drug stuff in particular. Oh, do they really? Wow. Yeah. yeah like, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember which one. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend it's up in smoke, but when uh, Cheech's cousin, or something uh, like totally just loses his mind for no reason if you've only seen the Comedy Central uh, broadcast stuff um, but it's like well actually he got like the space coke and yeah. he's all and he's completely you know high off, off his uh, off his rocker but you 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 miss that because you don't see him going into it so you're like why does he look so weird and angry and just flies off into space Right, right. Hmm. And that's why, kids, we don't mess with classics. That's true. Well, you exactly. know, it's... Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but they started out as, as, like, they used to do records. I guess they were stand-up comedians first, right? Like, because they didn't do movies until, like, they had a whole series of, like, probably, like, got to be five or six records, albums, where they had done before they became, before they did the movie, you know, sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where this is the classic, you know, uh, Dave's not here, man. That comes from that, from the record, record days. I guess they must have done, like, live shows, eh, John? back in those days oh yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean there was a whole series of comedians like that like i'm trying to think what's the, the one guy became a director um he was he worked with a lady uh they were they were oh hilarious. it was uh yeah i know who you mean it's um oh uh, that guy with the girl that guy on that show with that thing 
Yeah. Yes, I know exactly who you mean. Uh, Elaine May and... Yeah. Was it Elaine May? No. No. Was it Elaine May? No, yeah, Elaine, Elaine May and Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was yeah. it Elaine May? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, I can't believe I pulled that out of my depths of my brain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they did a bunch great. of comedy albums, and then he went on to be, like, a very famous director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Yeah, but they also did TV shows, too, right? They were TV writers as well. And then there was Bob Newhart. Well, he was hilarious on his own. Yep. Just he did the one-sided phone calls. Yeah. What else is going on? Any baseball to talk about? No? No baseball? Baseball. Well, Jaime and I both had our hearts broken on Sunday, so... That baseball was... season's over? Well, it is from my perspective. I I mean, there was, there was really... I was hoping either the, the Blue Jays would get in. If they couldn't get in, I was hoping that the, the Mariners would get in just so that there would be something different to, to root for in there. Now it's yeah. just a bunch of teams I couldn't give much of a crap about. And, um, right. and the Yankees were knocked out, and the Cardinals were knocked out, two teams I despise. So not hmm. much more I could wish for other than you know, uh, I guess I don't know. I, I actually did watch the I watched the uh, the Dodgers Cardinals game last night because I I despise the Cardinals uh, being a, a Reds fan for a long time as well as a Blue Jays fan. So yeah. I yeah. wanted them to lose and they lost in spectacular fashion on a walk off home run by the Dodgers. So that made me feel really good. Uh, and I think I don't know if I'll keep watching. Although the next round, the uh, San Francisco Giants are playing the LA Dodgers a for the first time in the playoffs which is fascinating considering those two are you know storied franchises and also uh they were the two best teams in baseball by a, by a distance this year so that could be a really entertaining series i might i might dip into that one hmm. Jaime, are you are you out now that the mariners are out you're just like fully into seattle kraken mode we still got a few more days the season for us doesn't kick off kick off see i'm even using the wrong terms here it doesn't start until tuesday hit the uh, ice the, Jaime. hit the ice hit the ice drop the puck drop the yeah. puck um they'll they'll spend their Based first off like five games um <laughs> away to start mm. the season because the climate pledge arena is still getting finished up oh that name man wow <laughs> yeah so the, the old key arena is climate pledge arena and they will drop the ice for the home opener um against vancouver yeah so they start they start away at uh, vegas and then they'll be at vancouver and that um, should be uh you know in, 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 where did you get that from well, drop, <laughs> drop the, puck, the, ice. Hit the ice one of those drop the, the ice. ice see yeah. i'm just getting yeah. used to it now strap him on yeah. that's um that <laughs> seattle vancouver thing has potential to be a lot of fun because obviously there's you know i wouldn't say there's a is, maybe you can tell me i mean is there a big rivalry between those cities as is but uh, it could be a lot of fun because they're so close right yeah um it, it's hard to know what will what will happen because you're you're growing a fan base here but there is a natural thing of like well vancouver's right there um there's a a lighter rivalry between seattle and portland in uh, sorry seattle and vancouver in in soccer and mm. in in soccer it's really the sounders versus the timbers in portland mm-hmm. but there is no portland uh correct me if I'm wrong there is no <laughs> portland nhl team so it seems like a natural thing to create well, a rivalry one, with vancouver. Uh, one major pro i mean obviously you can debate that for mls but uh yeah really the 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 blazers are it right and and i'm led to understand that there are actually some blazers fans in seattle now which seems sacrilegious but i guess since there are no sonics that's what you got to do right yeah no no sonics yeah. or um 
when did it leave? Eight. Way too long. Way, so, way, way too long. Like 13, going on 14 years and, and, yeah. and nothing in sight. Uh, a lot just, of energy was, was spent on like, well, maybe they can build the, the arena. Maybe they can get a team. And then, you know, maybe they'll also get a hockey team. And they actually have a live hockey team starting. And yeah. there's no, no, no end in sight for the NBA story. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens here. Yeah, I, so, I, I honestly feel like every single day that there's not a team in Seattle is a disgrace for the NBA. I truly do. I, I think the, the circumstances under which they got moved to Oklahoma City are, are reprehensible. And there was such a good fan base. There's such a, a history of good basketball in Seattle. The fact that there's no team there is, is genuinely disgraceful. So here's here's the thing. I've got a watch list for Jaime, right? You have to watch these, these movies in the next you know little while. The first one is called Slapshot. <laughs> And that's a must see. That's that's you'll you'll love that movie even if you don't like like hockey. But Slapshot is is uh, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Blood is another one. I was I would waiting watch. to see if Young Blood came out of you. <laughs> yeah, that's Young awesome. Blood. Young Blood is Rob Lowe as a, as a young Canadian wannabe no, star. No, he's American in the movie. He's, he's that's, American. That's the gang oh, and, and, is that he comes the goaltender the goaltender is, is Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves uh, at like yeah, yeah eighteen. Keanu yeah, and uh, I think Swayze. one of his first movies. Yeah, Patrick Swayze's in that movie, yeah. Um, then Le Boys might be a stretch for you, but that's an interesting one. And one. there's another movie, too, that's not on this list, but it's called, uh, I think it's called, um, oh, it stars Kino Re- or uh, Kier Delay. Let me just look it up here. Actually, when I met him, I talked to him about this movie. He's like, oh, my God, nobody's ever brought that movie up. Uh, Paperback Cowboy, I think it was called. I saw it once when I was when I was sick. Kier Delay. Let's have a look at this here. Anyway, there's a, a Mighty Ducks and the Miracle on Ice, and but I wouldn't watch those. Those are, those are they're not going to. You're not going to get much out of them in terms of hockey, but um, so the the flying like goose or or, or uh, duck wing thing that the, they do the in my ducks v. is not... the, fl- the flying V. Yeah, uh, that's not uh, legit strategies in in the no, modern no. NHL. No, I think the hockey movie high watermark is uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's sudden death where uh, yeah. they're in the old igloo at, at Pittsburgh during the middle of a, a game and he's trying to prevent this like terrorist attack so he's fighting off the bad guys while this this NHL you know playoff game is happening and at one point he ends up playing goalie for the Penguins it's I mean it is spectacular in its nonsense but uh, yeah yeah and this hmm. other one is not really it, it's a hockey movie the hockey's in it but uh, it's kind of interesting it's called paperback hero and that's the one with uh, cure delay um, it's a it's a real sort of odd odd duck of a movie because uh, and there's some pretty pretty big names in it surprisingly but I'm j- don't even think Jonathan's even seen that one. No, I, I haven't. I yeah, one. Definitely, yeah. Check check those ones out. Um, Slapshot for sure. Yeah, Slapshot sure. talks about it. That really speaks to what where hockey was, particularly in the American zeitgeist in the 1970s, yeah. where everyone yeah. just regarded it as as just these you know Canadian thugs on ice beating the crap out of each goon, other. Goon, there's a movie called Goon too. I don't know if you've seen that one. Have you seen that one, John? Oh, Goon. Yeah. That's that's, uh, what's his name? Sean, uh, what's his yeah. name? Sean from the, uh, Spengler, from, right? Uh, Stifler, <laughs> Stifler from, uh, Stifler. from the, um, American Pie American movies. Pie, yeah. Sean William Scott. That's the, the fellow's name I'm trying to pitch for. Yeah, the, those are, and again, similar idea where it, it sort of, it's not about the, the beauty of hockey, it's about the, the, the physicality of hockey. But yeah, Slapshot is, again, it's just, it's one of those like timeless reference points where just, you know, it, it, it does very much speak to that sort of where, where hockey comes from, that sort of, you know, uh, the guys on the bus and, and, you know, the minor leagues and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's sort of the, yeah. the major league of, of, of hockey movies. 
But definitely Slapshot and Youngblood are the one and two you have to watch. Yeah, Youngblood is much more about sort of the finesse. Although, again, even the message for that one is like, it doesn't matter if you're talented, you have to learn to fight, which is really not where hockey is anymore. Yeah, no, it no. definitely speaks to the era in which it was made. There really hasn't been a great hockey movie for quite a while. Uh, Kevin Smith mm-hmm. at one point was going to make sort of the definitive hockey yeah, movie. Clerks 3, right? Uh, no, no well, four? yeah. No, he was going to do a series. He was going to do it as a movie, and then he was going to do it as a series for the CBC. Oh, there was a TV show. You know, I actually have a prop um, v- VIP or MVP. It was a TV show about hockey players. Oh, yeah? That goalie helmet that I have in my basement, that's actually a prop from the from their show, because the, the guy who is the director of photography gave it to me. What was that show called? Yeah, I think it was called MVP. It was sort of a, you know, um, soap opery kind of movie, right? Or TV show. What was the name of the Isn't one? There, there's also, there's also, a, there's a cart, there's another TV show, hockey TV show, um, Locker Room or something like that, or? Oh, you know what? The one, the one that is like, if you, if you genuinely want to get into Rent-a-goli? like. Rent-a-goalie? Rent-a-goalie, that's the one, right? Yeah. If you genuinely want to get into like hockey and sort of the, the meaning, the history, learning about it, the absolute best, the gold standard is Hockey, A People's History, which was a, a doc documentary series oh, that right. here, and that was incredible where mm-hmm. i can't remember how many episodes it is but they basically did this whole series around you know just sort of where the game started where it went the best players ever how the game evolved but done in this like sort of beautiful you know documentary style and that really sort of gives you the foundation for like yeah, the hockey people what history, it's right? yeah, yeah it's a beautiful series because it's it's much more it's it's much more grounded than it's not like by the NHL being like, look how great we are. It's much more about just grassroots hockey in Canada and around the world and why it matters to so many people. It's, it's a, it's a really beautiful documentary. Of course, there's Wayne Gretzky above and beyond too. Well, if, yeah, if you want to see your hair, if you want to, if you want your hair to get even higher, Jaime, watch some of the, uh, yeah. there's a documentary about Gretzky. There's a documentary about Mario Lemieux. There, there's some of these players in history that were just sort of transcendent. About Val- Valerie Karmalov as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of Gretzky movies actually. And there's a couple of Bobby Orr movies too. They're, they're phenomenal players to watch. The, the challenge with the Orr stuff is the documentary footage isn't that great whereas with Gretzky no, it's better yeah. and with Lemieux it's even better than that like they're really yeah. it's the quality is the thing that suffers you, you can watch old stuff but it doesn't look great so you really never get a sense of it whereas some of it you're like yeah. watch the more modern stuff you're like holy moly I can't believe the stuff people can do now yeah 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 apparently hockey a people's history is 10 episodes so there you go I don't even know if it's on any services that's yeah I was just gonna look, look here but uh, hockey wives I think might have been the so that was a documentary about hockey wives fuck <laughs> bunnies yeah, puck bunnies. Puck yeah, bunnies are a thing. Paul Gross is a Paul Gross is a narrator in the uh, People's History thing, right? I think so. It's actually a show about Don Cherry too, and uh, I, I mean, from, frantically um, writing all this down. Oh, I gotta gotta get to research on. No, this. he's, he's <laughs> gonna look on the show notes next week. Oh, right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> if I get all these in there. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, it's in the same way that Americans romanticize baseball and and football in particular. Football, yeah, that's the way that the Canadians romanticize hockey about these these stories there are less of them now now hockey is really it's become a bit of an elitist sport here where it really is about having a lot of money to be able to equip and fund and and do all that stuff and that's really where it's gone in in most of north america but Mm -hmm. for a long time hockey was about you know kids just strapping on a pair of skates and and you know playing on the pond until they got good enough to try out for a team and getting good enough to keep going up the, the ranks and there are all these beautiful stories of you know you know little kid in the middle of nowhere who you know rose out of all the the obscurity to become uh the best player on the ice 
nowadays it's you know kid grew up in lap of luxury in you know suburbia his her, his parents were very wealthy and could afford to send him to the best schools and uh, you know and therefore he, he had all the advantages in life and therefore he got all his you know his breaks and therefore he rose mm-hmm. above so hockey of people's histories on youtube actually john is it oh that's great there you go yeah well, yeah, we'll recommend weird. that one. I, I thought that was a really cool series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be nice if it was on Disney or something like that, right? Yeah, or even I mean, I thought I imagined it would be on some sort of CBC streaming. The venue Last or Gladiator. Yeah. Just rolling through some of these uh, links I found. Red Army is another one too. That's about the Russian hockey system. Yeah, there's a really good documentary about the '72 Summit series too. But again, it's contextualized. It really matters more in its moment than it does. You know, it wasn't the best hockey mm-hmm. in the world. It was just about the sort of little Canada beating the big Soviets and in the height of the Cold War mm-hmm. and also their ankles. They don't fight as much in hockey as they used to, right? No, not really. Yeah. It used to yeah. be quite, it, it, you know, used to get line brawls, you know, players all coming yeah. off the bench and fighting one another. That's that's far, far less common now. Now, you know, lots of face washing and, and sort of, you know, people sort of shoving each other around, but a lot less actual thuggery. Yeah, and there's been a real pushback on that stuff too, just because of the um, the concussion stuff. And there's been a few cases of players who have had, you know, brain trauma and have had, uh, you know, post post uh, concussion syndrome and have had mm-hmm. uh, long term mental health problems and suicide problems. And so, all of that sort of has become uh, very very muddled. Yeah, I, honestly, I I don't I don't miss it. I don't miss the fighting in hockey. I never really. I mean, you know, obviously the thing in hockey was it was originally it was the the idea that you know the referees can't see everything so it was an opportunity for the players to police their own behavior but now in a world where you Mm -hmm. have like 40 cameras aimed at the ice and you know that players will get suspended or or you know disciplined like it's just not it's not as necessary as it once was and now it just really becomes you know it seems like yeah unary yep all right, I got a computer over here that's looking for my attention, so I got to go over there and deal with that. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, talk All right. to you guys later. So we got one more, uh, one more lower decks. No more what mm-hmm. if, and uh, and I believe there's a one week gap where there is no new programs coming up Ooh, or a, a whopping one one week before we start in on the next uh, Star Trek. Series. What's the next thing, Picard? No, the next thing is Prodigy. I think. Oh, Prodigy. Okay. So so yeah, the 28th is Prodigy. So next week is the 14th, and the 14th is the last Lower Decks. There's nothing on the 21st, but the 28th is Prodigy. So there's a, a one-week hmm. gap there. And then Prodigy starts. It carries on for a few weeks, and then Disco starts. So, uh, yeah. And then over the course of that, then Hawkeye starts. Then Book of Boba Fett starts. Then Picard starts. So, yeah, it's, there's a pretty continuous stream. I think we get that one one week window where there's not much going on and then it picks right back up again cool all right cool all right have a good weekend guys Talk happy moose day yeah happy, happy moose, moose day, day. <laughs> bye. Yeah. bye he doesn't believe about in the, but moose day <laughs> i think he i think he thinks we're kidding what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co.